Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who love the smell of shellac in the morning. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. All right, it's episode number 431 for April 16th, 2018. And on today's show, we're talking about tusk tenons, shelf material, helical upgrade, is it worth it? And 110 volt 8 inch jointers? Question mark, exclamation point. Oh, you know what? We got to thank some folks who helped us out over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. And let's see, we've got worth, worth effort. Andrew Walker, part-time woodworking. Eric the Glotti. Jason Suh. S-U-H. How do you pronounce that? Suh. Suh. Sounds good to me. That's that's perfect. We'll go with that. And Ross Addison. So thank you so much for helping us out, folks. And if you want to have your name right at the top of the show, head over to patreon.com slash woodtalk and help us out. And also... If you are a, I think it's a $4 patron or higher, you get uh, priority questions. So like every two weeks when we do a recording, we will post there and say, hey, you guys got some questions? Hit us with them. And then we will try to get those questions incorporated into the show. It's a really good time. We have a good time doing it. We like it. It's a really good time. (laughs) We enjoy it. Really selling this. Um, I'm just doing my job here. Uh, So that's (laughs) patreon.com slash woodtalk. And thank you to those who helped us out. All right, so let's get into what's on the bench. I'll tell you one thing before I go any further. My gums still hurt. Had a whole uh, crown experience, two crowns, and uh, I guess I had a crack through my teeth. I guess that's a bad thing. And uh, so now I had to have my, my teeth ground down to nubs and a little crown put on top of them. And the one thing that occurred to me as I'm going to the dentist, and almost ironically, the week before I'm going to go do a demo on power carving, <laughs> I'm thinking about how these tools are just kind of like little tiny die grinders grinding yep. away at my teeth and I'm, I'm wondering if he's like sculpting like a cremona bust inside my mouth or something like that that would be great so what you're thinking is i could just do this myself probably yeah. like if i could, i'm like 
If I'm I can like really get the, good at power carving, I can do this. Well, actually, yeah, I did think that. Not so much on the tooth thing because you'd have to get a, a complex set of mirrors to make that work. Uh, but when I was watching the assistant, I guess I don't know who she like. She comes in and actually does like the finessing of the temporary crown, and she's working on it. And I was just kind of watching, going, yeah, "I can do this." Why, you know, why am I wasting my time in woodworking? I could be like a dental hygienist or a crown carver or whoever, whatever, you, whatever you call that person. Uh, yeah. So she, whatever she was, you do, you should film it and put it on YouTube so other people can learn how to do it themselves too. You want me to teach people how to make crowns? I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, up till now, all we have is castaway and Tom Hanks just doesn't do a very good job. The yeah, lighting's true. off. That's true. Yeah. I think I'm pretty qualified for that job. Uh, so yeah, aside from teeth, I'm planning a, a executive desk project in the guild and this is, you know, it's a big one. There's a lot to think about and a lot of joinery methods and tricks and things you could employ as well as like cable management. And, uh, you know, one of the funnest things you could do as a woodworker is post a question asking for like design help. And when you do that design by committee committee, you realize very quickly that that's a bad idea. <laughs> because you, like no matter what you ask, you will get answers to questions you did not ask. And then you start like, you really do start to doubt yourself and go, well, well wait a minute. Am I doing this right? Should I do? So then you, you get down this rabbit hole uh, of design where you're, you're just off the path. So just be cautious if you ask for help online about these things, because you tend to get a lot of answers uh, to things that weren't a concern before, but now suddenly they are because someone made it a concern in your mind. It's an interesting, interesting thing to do. So I think your committee is too big. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's just too many people on the panel. I'm putting it on you. It's all on you. <laughs> every time committee, I do it. The selection process for this committee is flawed. Yeah. Every time I do it, I know that it's a bad idea, but I do it anyway because actually I do get, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being funny, but I, I do get really good ideas from it. And uh, it's just there's a lot of things that are talked about that I wasn't really concerned about. And now I am. So thanks for that, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine before so you brought it up uh but that's it for me so uh matt what do you got going on oh i'm making some river tables that have waterfall joints and stuff nice like that. i like Whoa. the color the blue color is just beautiful it's intense like i kind of want it to be a little bit punchier mm -hmm. since i'm doing the two variations with the glass one and then the resin one so it's resin one i went with a little more in your face punchy look and I know, like, this is, like, a very polarizing look. I know a lot of people don't, well, I don't know a lot, but many people don't like the look. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It looks too fake, I guess, yeah. which it does. I mean, it's definitely not natural, that's for sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. In the Caribbean, maybe. I mean, there's some pretty blue water. I guess. <laughs> but the fact <laughs> that there's water in the middle of some wood, yeah. that's probably not natural. But anyway, uh, so this is. I went a little further on the crazy factor for this one to give that kind of uh, example of what you can do. Mm -hmm. And then on the glass one, I'm doing a little more of a subtle look. So the the, the color is uh, much more subdued. It's a very light, uh, transparent blue. It doesn't have any kind of, um, I don't know, stylization or, I don't know, weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this has, the, the resin has a metallic peg, uh, pigment in it. So it has a lot of swirling stuff. The glass is just, colored glass mm -hmm. nothing crazy no like crinkling or i don't know all the funny glass terms for things <laughs> neither do i, I so i can't help you <laughs> glass like i want to go with that yeah there you go yeah so yeah Deeper. i'm waiting for the glass to come back for that one and then they'll get inlaid into that table but that one's ready to go and then the resin one is uh done 
and uh, that's moving along. You know, almost Sweet. done with another guild project. Pretty, I'm more excited about the fact that I'm done with guild stuff for the first time in like almost, I'm at like ten months probably. Yeah, you've been on a a pretty long streak with this stuff. So, uh, so my question for you is with this garish one i mean i have built some i've built some things i've built some things that nicole hasn't really liked and you know they just kind of end up in someone else's house i'm curious did did Lindsay look at that and go oh that's gonna look beautiful in the backyard no she likes it <laughs> did she really oh so i had the samples so i did all the different little samples to yeah. get uh, a feel for the the process of using the resin for pour like that and to get a feel for how much pigment and which pigments to use and she really likes the examples, and she even liked the she liked the one I did with the West system, the one that cured really quickly, mm-hmm. because that locked in the craziness of the metallic pigment really quickly. Mm. So that one's even more like ridiculous than what I ended up with. So I think she actually likes this from like a, like a decent amount. Nice, that's good. That's always a bonus. And we're, and we're keeping them all. So we're having we're gonna have three coffee tables coming into this house. What do you ha- where are you gonna put them? Um, we One have on top of the other, I was going to stack them. That's for sure. That, that's going to be a picture that's happening for sure. Oh, regardless, mm-hmm. uh, we she's going to, she wants to get rid of the first coffee table I ever made. My first solid wood project. Burn it from back in the day. Yeah. All Morris and tenon done on a mortise or a mortising adapter for the drill press. Ooh. I have fond memories of that. I did <laughs> I did sliding dovetails for the uh, the apron joints because Mark was doing that in that sculpted <laughs> side table thing at the time. Yeah. And I, and I thought sliding dovetails for apron joints, that's just the bee's knees. I got to try that out. So I did that. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of good memories in that project. That was also the project that I realized that I can't keep making projects out of solid wood from the home center. I'm going to go bankrupt or I'm not going to be able to like buy any tools because that table cost me like $200 in materials. Yeah. And back then, that's like that's a router. I didn't yeah, have that's a, a new tool. I had, like a, I had a $40 eBay router. I mean, come on. So that was the, the moment when I was like, oh, we're going to do the joint planer thing. And that's how I paid for my shop, getting my material costs mm-hmm. to go down. So what, what happens with the old one? I don't know. I'm going to keep it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'll probably put it like, I don't know, in our basement. So we have it because I don't want to yeah. get rid of it. There's right. too many memories there. Um. But yeah, cool man. <laughs> oh, too much furniture. It's a good problem to have. I you guess donate it for a wood whisper giveaway. That's I'm a like terrible my idea. old coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> you could win Matt's first thing he ever made. Uh, no, nah, <laughs> good luck. I don't think so. Yeah, that's uh, bad idea. But well, that's cool, man. You're filthy with coffee tables. I love to hear that. You know, wood rich and coffee table rich. Mm-hmm. About it, the best kind of rich to be. <laughs> You got coffee too. <laughs> no, debatable. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, Shannon, what about you? Well, you, you, Matt, you just brought up the West Systems thing. <clears throat> I want to know how this happens. First of all, I ran out of West Systems this week, which was <laughs> really upsetting because that's like time to get a second mortgage because I got to go buy more West Systems. <laughs> Couple hundred bucks. But you know, you buy the pump thing you know you put one in the hardener one in the resin mm-hmm. and ideally you know there's the 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 mixture comes out right if you you pump once on each one and you're good to go how is that i run out of one and not the other like significantly like the 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 i can't remember which one's the smaller one that's the hardener isn't it yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so i ran out of that one but i still have like a quarter of the 
the the <laughs> resin left. What the heck? Weird. Your pumps are broken or something. That's what I'm wondering. You like, pump, maybe you just pump too hard. I guess I guess the mixture is a lot more forgiving than I thought it was because apparently I haven't been mixing it right. And this is like, you know, I don't use that much epoxy. So this is probably like something I bought five years ago. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm all ready to glue up. I got everything ready to go. I, I pump the resin in and then I go to the, the hardener and it's like nothing there. Completely well, dry. It, if it's anything like my experience with this eco epoxy stuff, the ratio is just a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> it's ballpark. Sure. <laughs> This is what we suggest about this much. Well, and I've had times where there have uh, been air bubbles uh, and, and I've like these cans. If you buy the big gallon size, they're around forever. And then the, yeah. the pumps themselves start to go over time. So you either get air bubbles or just weird things happen. And I just I'm like, ah, it's close enough. And I've never had any kind of like failure, or any major problems as a result of that. So I think it, there is a little bit of wiggle room in those quantities. Yeah, I think my pumps are starting to go because like every so often, like, they go to push down and like nothing comes out. Yeah. And you're like, what? You sort of got to pri- like reprime it almost. Yeah. All right. the time. So yeah, I might have replaced three or mine. four pumps before something starts moving in there. Right. Yeah. When they're new, it's like, no problem. Push that button. Start, start. It just starts flowing right away. But I think my pulse must be like five or six years old now. Mm-hmm. So I might have to replace them. Hmm. I don't know. I never even thought I had to replace the pump. I thought that was a one-time purchase. Come on. No, I, I'm Maybe on you got to clean it. I'm know. on my second set. so Replace the spring or something. Yeah, they went poo on me. Get some O-rings. That's what you do, right? Buy some new O-rings. <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, All right. So as far as what's on my bench, I'm making axe handles. Um, I worked with a, um, a guy out in Seattle named Ernie Stevenson. He runs grandpasLittleFarm.com. Great place to get vintage tools, by the way. And uh, Ernie has been sourcing... Uh, like green woodworking tools, bearded axes and spoon carving knives and all that fun stuff. And he's uh, found a good source for him, but you know, he's thinking I probably need to sell these unhandled. So he sent me a bunch to kind of test and play with, and I can't really test and play with them until I built some axes, my axe handles rather. So I've been having fun with that. Got some hickory and using the draw knife and fitting an axe. So I've got four of them that I need to fit handles to. So that's, that's fun. Cool. Now I'm going to like do some sort of juggling act once I'm done. Oh, please do. Yeah. Record it. YouTube, please. Make sure it's a failed there, video. There will be no safety disclaimer either. I'm just going to start juggling axes. <laughs> please make sure you're wearing your safety glasses. Here we go. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Wouldn't that be fun? Just do like a safety disclaimer, but have it be completely irrelevant. Yeah, to what totally you do. not useful for the task at hand. <laughs> make sure you do not throw oily rags in the trash. Yes. I love that. Oh man, that's, that's going to happen. All right. So let's get into what's new. So next week, there's a big, big thing happening. Fine Woodworking Live and the Wood Talk guys are going there. Now, interestingly, this is, this is hot off the presses. Like right before we started recording, we found out that Shannon's actually not that excited about it. <laughs> right now I'm not. What's the well, deal, man? I say, Mark, I've been friends with you too long. I'm like a homebody now. Like, yeah. I don't want to I'm, I'm rubbing off and on I'm you. I'm the closest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Seriously, this is this is a heck of a trip for me. It's all the way across the dang country, but I, I am looking forward to it. I'm doing a demo there, so that's always fun. Do not like two demos. Not really. Well, the same demo twice. Does that really count? Yeah, it's twice the work. <laughs> I was gonna say none of my repeats were exactly the same. <laughs> it's like one at one and a half times the work. It's it's not quite twice as much the work, but uh, it's power carving. You know, you can't go wrong with that. It's going to be a lot of oh, fun. Oh, so it's no work. It's not like barely no any work at all. Antle carving. Look, my dentist That's can true. do it. I can do it. No it's work. Not. No <laughs> skill required. Just 
plug it in and hammer away at a two by four. It'll <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. We're gonna we're also uh, going to have a meetup, and this is kind of officially unofficial because we haven't none of us have been there before. So we're just trying to figure it out. Uh, talking to uh, Ben over at Fine Woodworking, he said that there's really nothing around this venue. So you're kind of like everybody's it's a one stop shop and everything is is there at this hotel. So the the main hotel, I guess it's the Southbridge Hotel, it, they've got like a a bar or a lobby or something with plenty of room. So Friday night there are other things going on. I think they have like a trivia event and it, Friday would not be good. So Saturday night I don't think anything is planned there. Saturday night will be the night that we will try to have some kind of a you know combination uh guild wood talk uh, you know, Hansel School, whatever Matt's doing, sort of meet up. What are we talk about juggling. Oh, that's right. You're in the guild. I forgot about that. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, I, I forget this sometimes. You know, How you got- forget that. <laughs> wow, wow. Where, that just tells you where you are in the hierarchy. Uh, I'm realizing things now. I, Look, you need to go on strike, man. I put you second on the instructor page. That should tell you everything uh, you need to know. Yeah, but then you're like, I don't know what Matt does with his life. <laughs> I, I don't know what you got going on over there. You're posting stuff on Instagram, doing your your millennial thing. I don't know what's basically going on. all I do. I just sit on Instagram all day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're gonna have this big combo meetup. Uh, anyone is welcome, even if you don't know who we are. People are gonna be walking by and going, "Hey, look, there's woodworkers over there talking about stuff." I think I'll stop by and I'll have a Shirley Temple with Matt. And uh, <laughs> they're delicious. They are. They're really, really good. So uh, come join us if you're going to find woodworking live. Should be a good time. Yeah, I'll be in the mood by then. Yeah, hopefully. I hope so. Jeez. Uh, So the other announcement I wanted to make here, I keep getting the question, I must not have done a really good job of of putting the information out there, uh, that we no longer sell the thread taps. Thread taps, the product itself, uh, the distribution, everything was taken over by Eagle America, and I will no longer be selling those. So I keep getting the question, when are they going to be back in stock? I want to buy them. And Eagle America has them. I'm pretty sure they have them all in stock and they are the uh, sole distributor for that. And uh, just like, just so you know, uh, Andy is still involved with the product and he's just working with them now because I didn't want to do it anymore. So it, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was fun for a while. And then I realized, you know what? That's a little like I don't mind getting into some product development and getting into some stuff, but it was just too much. Like I, I didn't want any part of it anymore, though it was fun it's, and it was a cool product. Much like foreshadowing, Matt. This is your future. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just didn't want to deal with him anymore. <laughs> it was just too much work. His yeah. hair, there's hair everywhere. The sinks are clogged. I just he, he's I'm coming to the hand tool school next. <laughs> yeah, watch out. Hey. <laughs> That's what Shannon wanted. That was the, his goal this whole time. Oh, I'm got, sure. I've got a log now, Matt. I've got a whole Palowina tree. So. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I was going to split it, but now we can saw it. <laughs> well, that thing's portable, right? You can bring that over to, to Maryland. It's no problem. Just have I'll to do it. To a treadmill. Throw it on yep. wheels, baby. All right. So the, let's get into our kickback. And I believe I've got a voicemail kickback to start us off here from Craig. Uh, you guys remember the Laguna guides? Somebody called in. Here, let me give you the whole story. Somebody called in. We said, check out Carter. Diami called in and said, don't check out Carter. The Laguna ones are the awesome. <laughs> and uh, so Craig has some advice. Hey, guys. This is Craig Grider from Wiley, Texas. Wanted to give a little more kickback on this Laguna uh, Blake guide discussion. The, uh, the the last caller on the April 4th or sorry April 3rd call uh, mentioned that he was having trouble getting uh, guides for his Laguna. I've got a Laguna 1412. 
And while Carter doesn't post on their site for those guides, all I did was call them up and the lady helped me within a couple of minutes. She even walked out to the floor, verified she had had some in stock to ship me, and I had them, you know, within three or four days. I uh, just got through installing mine to replace the ceramic guides. Like that caller said, um, I, I hated them. Uh, the top guides were fine. They're easy, quick to set up. But uh, the bottom guides, geez, if you, unless you've got tiny fingers like Cremona, you, you can't get your hands in there to, to adjust them. But um, like I said, just, just installed the Carter guides, giving them a try. First cuts, I loved it. Um, maybe if, uh, if I can, I'll post on the site with any updates. Uh, thanks for everything you do. And Matt, looks like you, uh, with this eco epoxy, you're, you're looking to get into a whole line of collapsible fold-up wood furniture. Good luck with it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? It's all that flexible stuff. That's right. Flexible resin. It's very handy. So, not to muddy this further, but with the Laguna guides, like, is it just the adjustability that people don't like about them? I mean, I don't have them. I've never used them, so I have no idea. I'm just curious, I guess. I don't know. Diami says they're perfect. Okay. Right? And I trust him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But, you know... Would to each his own, I suppose. Whatever you like. All right. So mm. I think we have the next one here. Yes. What do we have? Oh, that's Matt's. A me. That's it's you. a me. Uh, this is from Josh. Josh says, I appreciated the Woodsmith discussion in the last show. Watching the Woodsmith shop on PBS got me interested in woodworking. After my son was born, I spent a lot of time holding a sleeping baby while watching the PBS woodworking shows that rotated through in the same time slot during the week. Even if the conversations were a bit stilted, the discussions on Woodsmith made everything seem within my grasp. Don, is it Pesky? Maybe? Sure. Don Pesky? Sounds good. Sure. John Pesky, fake laughing at his own jokes. Sounds like me. He's the guy Gabe. with the, uh, the the beaver on his top lip, right? <laughs> is it that guy? <laughs> I can't remember which guy it is. Uh, <laughs> the guy with the big old mustache. Sorry. Uh, didn't mean to do, really derail you. You're selling this thing. I, now I really have to go and find one of these episodes oh, and dude, watch Oh, dude, you it. haven't yet? It's good. Go watch it. All right. Um, goodbye. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Uh, anyway, uh, Don, fake laughing at his own jokes, just gave the show and some extra I can do that to feel. It was only one I wasn't able to watch anymore and had to look elsewhere that I realized that the YouTube and podcasting woodworking world existed. I hope those PBS productions stay around for a long time. I'll give my son time in front of PBS channel long before I give him time on YouTube. <laughs> That's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's good. Interesting. I like it. <clears throat> well, the, the plot thickens on this. Yeah, this is great. Um, here's another one. This is from Logan. I should, uh, well, I, maybe you'll, maybe you'll know that you'll get this if you are familiar with the show, but it gets a little deeper at the end. This is a little kickback for you guys. I was working in the garage the other day and I discovered to my dismay that you guys haven't quit yet. Ah. All jokes aside. <laughs> I was excited. I had a few new wood talks, a few new wood talks on SoundCloud to listen to. So I started catching up. My ears perked up on show 430 when you mentioned the Woodsmith shop. Being an editor at Woodsmith Magazine <laughs> and currently working on filming the Woodshop Smith, the Woodshop, geez, that's hard to say. Woodsmith shop season 12. Wow. I sound like Cremona. Yeah, you're right reading now. this like Matt. Yeah. What's going on? I did on? a pretty good job on mine. What's going on here? <laughs> Anyway, he's filming season 12, and he's a new member of the cast. So I was obviously interested to hear your opinions on it. Whoops. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mark hit the nail pretty square on the head in regards to decisions to remain off social platforms. In the past, previous ownership did not want to venture into any social media online platforms. However, with new ownership in the last 12 months, we have a large initiative to bring Woodsmith into the 21st century. Currently, we're working on building our following on Facebook, which is Woodsmith Magazine, Woodsmith Shop. We're working at Twitter, uh, at Woodsmith Mag, and at Woodsmith Shop, and YouTube, Woodsmith Shop. So keep an eye out for those. Nice. <clears throat> I'm curious, Logan, what's the difference between – so I guess the, the TV show – okay, so Woodsmith Magazine Shop is the Facebook is the TV magazine. Show. TV shows with Michelle. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Although. Well, and they have a store too. Do they have a separate one for the store? I don't know. Huh. Anyway, the plot as far as content goes, <laughs> Shannon is right. We sometimes are the faux tenon people, but not always for 35 years. Our magazine has been ad free and still is. That's a really good point. That is cool. It means our staff is 20 plus people sustained by our subscription revenue. When we spend a lot of time polling our current reader base and what they want to see, which tends to be a lot of Quick construction shop projects, a.k.a. Birch Plywood. Every issue, we try to include a weekend project, a designer project, and a shop project, similar to our other title, Shop Notes, and an heirloom project. The TV show, in combination with our video edition subscription offering, brings the magazine projects to a video format. Long story short, Woodsmith Magazine and the Woodsmith Shop are evolving and will be more up-to-date than they have been in the past. I hope that people uh, who have tried in the past will take a fresh look at it. Personally, I ride Shannon's side of the fence and I'm a hand tool nut, so I've been trying to bring more hand tools into both print and video, which is fun. I won't leave you with the standard love the show, keep up the good work, don't quit, even though all those things are true. I will say thank you for the wealth of coverage, wealth of knowledge you all share, and have fun with what you're doing. So that's from Logan Whitmer, cast member and editor of the Woodsmith Shop. That's awesome. First of all, how cool is it that they listen to us, our measly little whatever, and... Logan, I wish that my Maryland PBS carried any woodworking show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. As critical as we can be of certain things, just having anything on PBS that you could watch woodworking related is is actually it's a treat because not everybody has that. So, right, and and especially poignant was Josh's previous comment about I'll let my kid watch PBS before I let him watch YouTube. Yeah, there we go. They're, That's um, awesome. They're interesting. I think it's exciting that it, they are they are venturing into the 21st century. It really is. Only uh, 18 years into it. Um, yeah. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to throw them under the bus with oh. my <laughs> But no, it, I'll let Mark do that. What they have, that's, I'm really good at doing that. Um, yeah. their, their whole enterprise is really interesting. I, I went to, um, what was it, Weekend with Wood. And the Woodsmith store was so close. I had to stop in there. The place is amazing, by the way. If you've ever, if you're in that area, you got to go check it out. But they've got the store, they've got the magazine, and they have the TV show. So it is really this like uh, just the offering that they have and the consistency in the presentation of these things is actually really admirable. It's a very cool setup. Um, but yeah, it's still fun to make fun of. So <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean it uh, with the, the best intentions. You're going to get to your beaver on his upper lip. <laughs> I love it. I love that guy though. If you've ever watched the show, here's another thing. My impressions of other people on shows, um, this is going to backfire at some point. Cause I'm very easy to make fun of. Uh, but so the guy, Don, if I, bl- if I'm not mistaken, he's the guy with the big mustache and he makes, he laughs like he has a little bit of a, like a Cremona giggle at times about things that aren't funny at all. Like it's not even it, it, just watch the show. If you get a chance and he laughs at things that, it makes no sense to laugh at that moment, but it's great because it makes him a very like fun, approachable guy. It's my backhanded yeah, compliment for the that. day. So that's the guy you're thinking of. Yeah. You just 
Google image searched. Yep. Okay. All right. I got the right guy. Okay. Let's get into our voicemail. And if I were, if I were that guy, I would say, let's get into our voicemail. Um, <laughs> so, Dan, uh, let's see. They take the time to write and they just continually <laughs> put them down. Uh, they know I mean it. I mean, well, I mean, well, I'm just a bad person, Shannon. <laughs> I don't even use hand tools exclusively. So, you know, I'm a bad person. Uh, we are honored that you listen to uh, our show. We really are. Nice shop absolutely <laughs> just, wow there's just a lot of awkwardness right now let's go on to our uh, to yeah, vo- the voice here so dan called in and uh has a question about i guess helical upgrades hello gentlemen my name is dan from peoria illinois longtime listener first time caller love the show and here's the obligatory thanks for not quitting line good got that out of the way early I'm in the process of doing a commission for a local restaurant here in town, and it is finally my first woodworking payday of substance. Yay! Yay! I would like for my woodworking to be a self-sustaining hobby within the next year or so, allowing me to buy the wood for my own projects and upgrade my tools as I go so I'm not... All right, sorry, Dan. I'm going to cut you short. It's over three minutes, this voicemail, and here's his questions. We're just getting into it. No, no, no. We're just getting good. I'm I'm backing out of this one. Beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Backing out. Helical upgrade... On a planer, is it worth it? So he's got two questions. We'll hit that one first. Uh, I used to have a straight knife planer, and now I have a helical. And I, while it's not a necessary upgrade, I do like it. I think it definitely, you know, especially if you're working with figured woods, uh, you're going to be much happier with um, it's It's much more forgiving, you know. So if you have grain that's just temperamental, you run it through the wrong way, you could start to ignore some of those uh, grain direction things that you learn where you pass it one way through a planer, you get a little tear out, but throw it the other way. Uh, and, and it's nice and smooth. You kind of don't have to worry about that as much with a helical head. So, uh, you, would you guys agree worthy upgrade for a planer? Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think I there is a noticeable sound difference. Oh, that's it. true too. Huh? I, I thought it was just kind of like marketing ploy, but the first mm-hmm. time granted, keep in mind the first time I used a helical head, I also moved to a bigger, um, what you might call it induction motor. So that was already versus quieter. a lunchbox mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Versus yeah. the screaming giant. Yeah. You know. yeah those but are terrible. yeah, huge difference. Like when we, ch- when we swap out the helical heads for straight knife knives at our, at the, at the mill, cause we do that for sometimes for finish purposes, incredible difference in sound. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the second part of his question was, should he get a jointer? So he's, Basically, the tools he's choosing between right now, budget restrictions, uh, dictate he can get one. He wants to know if he should get a drum sander or a jointer, and he does not currently have a jointer. Hybrid combo tool. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's already got the planer. So is he going to do the upgrade in the planer and then do a jointer or a drum sander? Yes. Mm -hmm. So if he's going to get a better cut finish from the planer does he need a drum sander then probably not. or i guess what is he gonna be using a drum sander for if it's to clean up he hates sanding they've been planed yeah bottom line is he hates sanding oh they're probably gonna have less sanding with the helical head then yeah. i would assume i would think so uh you know i would say if he doesn't have a jointer and he's looking to go down this path of you know being more efficient and getting materials that are a little less expensive because they're in the rough uh the jointer is going to be a necessity i would totally say go for the jointer the drum sander is like that creature comfort tool. It's kind of yeah. the last tool you add. Yeah, I don't even use it that much anymore. Really? So, I use it all yeah. the time. I still use it all the time. 
You're like the only person I know. Me? That uses it all the time. What? <clears throat> I think most people I talk to say the same thing as Matt. They bought it because they saw Mark had one. <laughs> and now they never use it. You guys are crazy. I use it all the time when I first got it because I had it and it was cool to use. Mm-hmm. And when I was making ingrain cutting boards, like all the time, I use it a lot for that. Yeah. But otherwise, now it's just here in case I want to do some like thin stock surfacing. See, I, I use it for the last, uh, you know, basically the last pass after the planer. The planer gets a nice clean cut. There's always a, just a teeny tiny amount of snipe on there. And it's still, while it's, you know, the helical certainly leaves a pretty good surface, I, I would like to give it a little bit of extra love. And I feel like the uh, drum sander is the perfect way to do that. So everything almost gets that last, you know, pass or two at the drum sander. It's it's like an integral part of my process now. I use, an, I use a random orbit sander, you know? Yeah, I guess. I guess if you want to do more work, that's fine. Uh, I don't know. Excluding myself from this conversation. <laughs> yes, you probably should. Okay, Mr. Mister Smoother Plane. But you cannot exclude yourself from this one because Mike Zellman has a question about your veneers. Ooh. Oops, hold on. <laughs> this is Mike Zellman, and this message is for Shannon regarding um, your homemade veneers. How are you cutting them? Are you doing them by hand? And if so, what thickness are you ending up with? Thanks. Bye. Hmm. Good questions. I'm cutting them using a frame saw, the big 48-inch long, 4-inch wide, 3-tooth per inch frame saw beast that I have that I love to use. It's my favorite tool in the shop. It's my drum sander, Mark. It gets used (laughs) for everything. Um, When I'm cutting veneer, I'm usually aiming for um about an eighth of an inch thick piece and then i'm doing a little bit of planing i use a toothing plane after that and usually end up a little proud of a 16th sometimes less basically however much i have to remove to get it you know relatively even mm-hmm. um there are times however when i've had <laughs> uh just inattention while sawing and you end up with that weird spot in the middle because you usually saw from both ends of the board and you end up that weird spot in the middle where the curve doesn't quite match and i have to remove a little bit more and i'll go down a little thinner but i like a, a 16th i think is as thin as i've ever needed to go mm-hmm. you don't have to remove that much material cool beans all right we've got one more yeah. here this one's from uh andrew Hey guys, Andrew Walker here down in Texas. Longtime listener, first time caller. Thanks for not quitting. Don't let sugar tats force you into quitting. This question is for the albino gorilla, the hairy giggler, and sugar tats himself. First off, you guys should look into getting sponsored by Dollar Shave Club like every other podcast out there. I'm sure it would really help the hairy giggler out. I can't imagine what that guy has to spend on razors. But no, seriously. I need to build a lot of kitchen cabinet drawers. I need them to be strong, and I need to bust them out fast. I'm doing my first big kitchen cabinet build that's not either for myself or someone in my family. So I'm looking for production speed here, but also obviously something that's going to stand the test of time. I don't think the clients would even notice if I took the time to dovetail the drawers, so it's definitely not worth the time invested there. I know this isn't really up y'all's alley. Y'all are more fine woodworking and heirloom quality, but 
all three of you have a lot of expertise, so I would appreciate your input. Also, if Shannon wants to ramble on, I don't mind, man, especially during the lumber industry update. I really appreciate uh, all the knowledge that you bring to us, and I have a hard time being concise myself. I'd say even though it's blasphemous, pocket screws are even an option for these drawers or dominoes or rabbits, whatever you guys think. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, there's one that likes you. So that's uh-huh. good, Shannon. <laughs> Woohoo. Um, drawers. Really, really fast. What would you guys do if you had to like knock out, you know, 30 of these things? Presumably plywood. Right. I mean, that, that would be, well, I, I can go off of, of my customers that do this on a daily basis. They are, um, they're using plywood, high quality, like the Europly type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and rabbits and pegs for the, the corner joints. Um, it is rare that I'm seeing dovetail joinery anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and if you do, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's like the mother of all lead jigs, um, like <laughs> permanently mounted to the wall with like a router on a, on like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a sliding table mechanism on a track, basically, that, right. you know, uh, an untrained monkey could do this because there's, there's nothing, there's no play at all in the machine. Right. Um, but it's, it's interesting more and more you're seeing like the contrast of not just so much wood pegs, but like stainless steel pegs being used into the rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the drawer fronts are screwed to the front um, specifically because there's some sort of like um, slow close um, bloom runner. Uh, on the back of the drawer True. and the way that mounts, they put the drawer front. It's kind of like a false drawer front that goes over the top. Yeah. I think if I had to really knock a bunch of these out and appearance isn't a factor, but it just surviving the test of time, I would be tempted to just go rabbits with glue and pop a couple of Brad nails through there. I don't like, why would that not work for, for a kitchen drawer? I think it would be fun. Yeah, well, I mean, especially once you put a bottom on, the structure, the rigidity in the structure is caused by the bottom. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, in a glue joint and a rabbit joint like that, as long as you get, you know, good coverage and slap those brad nails in there, and I think it would be pretty strong and it would be, certainly would be fast. Batch out all the yeah. rabbits and pop, pop, pop. Lots of brad That's nails. That's how I, I build my shop drawers. There's rabbits. I just pin nails, just hold them while the glue dries, but the bottom is glued in, so the bottom is like, Pulling the whole thing together. Yeah, doing all the Giving work. it even more strength. There you go. Okay, so that is it for our voicemails. And if you want to leave us a voicemail like that, you could send us a file directly using your memo app on your smartphone. Send it to Woodtalk. Doing it now. Here I go. Okay, looking forward to it. Online <laughs> at gmail.com is where you could send those files, and we will play them on the show. Unless they're three minutes long, then I will rudely, abruptly cut you off. But hey, at least I let like the first couple of seconds play, so you know he could hear his <laughs> own voice. Because that's fun. Okay, I think we actually have a lumber update here, so we got to do this. Shannon's lumber industry update. Okay. Got a question this week. Um, we were talking about engineered composite products a couple of updates ago, and somebody asked me about does any is there any developments along the same vein in the plywood realm 
And my snarky answer was, well, plywood's already an engineered material, so yes. <laughs> but actually, um, funny coincidence that came into my hands this week are some veneer samples of reconstituted plywood or reconstituted face veneer for plywood. And um, there's several companies doing this. Um, the company that I've been working with is Formwood. They're kind of one of the leaders in the industry. But it's really cool stuff. Imagine like a rift sawn face, perfectly nice straight grain face. And that's what this looks like. And they make them in, you know, all kinds of different species from teak to walnut to maple, cherry, and all over the place. And what they're doing is using um, obeche, which is a, a an African wood, very um, bland, you know, it, almost completely homogenous grain structure. It's perfect for for like marine veneers and things that are just going to get like fiberglassed and you just need a nice flat substrate. In other words, it's not pretty, <laughs> but it's, it's like the perfect blank slate wood. And of course, you know, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly um, available mm-hmm. and, and inexpensive. So they're rotary cutting the obeche, so they're getting these big, huge, long strips, and then they are dyeing them and stacking them. So imagine a bent lamination. When you glue up a bent lamination, you get that little bit of that kind of layered look on the side. Almost looks like riffs on material, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they've done here. They've cut these veneers and the thickness of the initial uh, rotary cut will vary, but then they're slicing them up and essentially into slightly larger than four by eight sheets, gluing them all stacked up tall in a stack and then coming back and you've essentially got like a beam. Imagine a beam that's like eight inches thick. And then they're slicing them like a guillotine slicer and then stitching them together to make four by eight sheets. So it is solid wood. It's not like, well, I guess technically um, like OBS is solid wood. It's just just chips and stuff thrown together. There's no, you know, special chemistry or polymers or synthetics in here. This is actual wood, but it's been dyed and sliced and stacked together like one giant, you know, butcher block cutting board almost, Mm -hmm. and then re-sliced again to make your veneers. And I got to tell you, I've I've got maple, uh, red oak, uh, teak, walnut, and cherry in my hand right now. I cannot, you can't look at this and go, oh, that's fake. It looks gorgeous. So again, you know, it's it's going to give you that rift look, that straight grain look, which I think is actually really beautiful, mm-hmm. but um, super inexpensive as well. And you're you've got actually so a, even a, even that entire like all of that processing that has to happen, it still winds up being an inexpensive product. Well, here's the thing: there's not that much less processing processing than what happens in making a standard panel. Yeah, um, most of the cost of your um, your finish grade plywoods is in your face veneer, getting a good quality veneer, getting it well dried, getting it sliced, selected, sequence matched, all that fun stuff. Mm. But the cores are laid up exactly the same way as they're doing this process. So there was no additional machining or anything like that. It was just a matter of plugging new material in. Um, and the material they're using is dirt cheap. Um, Obeche is, it, it, it's almost negligible, the cost of the stuff. And so not even close to, unsustainable i mean it grows like a weed everywhere mm-hmm. so um the the dyeing process and everything i imagine added some to it but i think that was probably mostly in the development of getting the the formula right and once it's done there's a fair amount of of color treatment and stuff going on in plywood anyway um, most of the time it's more of a bleaching process just mm-hmm. 
um, stabilize some things. So they have all the, 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 the dip tanks and everything is already in place. It's just a matter of loading the tank with a different color dye. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, no, um, there, there wasn't any, any massive increase in, in cost. And because of the major cost savings in, um, the face veneer itself, plus if you were to buy a perfectly rift sawn piece of plywood, it's expensive. <laughs> it's yeah, very right, expensive right. <laughs> because, you know, if, if it, if it actually is actual cherry and you're trying to get four feet wide of, of rifts on, you're stitching together probably 24 little strips wow. to get that here. And, and I don't know the actual size of the timber they're slicing from. I said eight inches. I'm pulling that out of thin air. It's probably much bigger than that. You know, the fewer seams they have to come up with just the faster things go. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool stuff. Um, I'm kind of uh, interested to get some of it on the yard. And I mean, again, it's, it's the face veneer we're talking about. So whatever core you want to put it on, whatever application you're looking for, uh, a company like <clears throat> any of these plywood manufacturers will do custom layups of your veneer and, you know, a combi core, hybrid core, fur core, aspen core, whatever you want. But cool stuff. Dude, there if you can, go. snap a few pictures with your phone and put that in the show notes. I'd like to s- see what the stuff looks like. Yeah, we will do. That'd be cool. Uh, okay, so let's get into our emails. First one I here. I can also send you the website, by the way, which has all the same picture swatch. No, no, no. I want crappy phone pictures on your desk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the only reason I say that is when I look at the, on the, the website, when I look at the maple, it has the same sticker on the bottom right corner of the sample that's in my hand. Which, <laughs> nice. It might actually be the same sample. Yeah. That'd be good. Uh, okay. So William wrote in, he says, I'm going to be building some built in bookcases. They'll have paint for a finish and the shells will be adjustable with pins. What material should I use for the shells? Plywood, pine, some hardwood, the span of each shelf will be less than 28 inches. Thanks in advance. Any guidance you could provide? Well, 28 inches isn't really that long. And when I'm building a bookshelf, a lot of times the material is kind of dictated by what I'm already building the rest of the bookshelf out of. So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, jump to a different material for the shelves. Um, I, you know, I like to have consistency throughout. Uh, and if they're adjustable, you know, things don't have to be a perfect fit. So if you were using solid wood, let's say, there's plenty of room for movement. So you don't have to, you know, worry about wood movement and, uh, you know, this thing exploding on you at some point. So I think honestly, the, the, the best answer is use whatever you want. Uh, you, you really have choices there. A 28 inch span is not that long. So you don't, you know, unless your books are super heavy for a th- piece of three quarter inch material, you might get a little sag with some stuff. Uh, but for me, for bookshelves, what I like to do is no matter what the material is, put that little edging on the front. So, uh, you know, a strip of like inch and a half wide uh, material, maybe even rabbit it so you could set the shelf material down into it and put that edge strip on there that actually reinforces the shelf, makes it look a little bit thicker from the the front. I think it tends to look better in a bookshelf application, but it also makes it stronger. And that's one of the best reasons to do it. It helps prevent sagging on there. And uh, honestly, any material you want. For me, typically, uh, it's hard to get away from plywood, you know, for things like this. It's, it's, you know, pretty strong and you're going to trim it out in the front with this little strip of material anyway, that's going to provide some extra support. It's inexpensive. Uh, so for me, plywood, but some projects do dictate that you use a, a specific material. So keep that in mind as well. Dan? Uh, well, yes, I am. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a long pause. I don't, I don't know with you sometimes. Yeah, you might have had something to add. You may have wanted to engage me in conversation, but it's, it's your um, prerogative not to. Uh, 
plywood costs me more than solid wood. Well, see, you're in a different situation, you turd. <laughs> Everything is solid wood. I ain't buying no wood. <laughs> I ain't buying no stinking plywood. Oh, that'll be the day. Oh, mm-hmm. probably come pretty soon, actually. Um, okay, this is from Boz. Says, I'm in the market for a jointer, and I'm trying to decide on the right 8-inch jointer for my garage. Right now, my wife and I make uh, just make cutting boards, serving trays, and most recently, a kitchen helper based on Mark's build. My concern is the lack of 220 volt in the garage. If I purchase a 110 volt jointer, will I have enough power to mill up larger pieces of rough lumber as our experience and abilities grow? Right now, we mill uh, four quarter S2S or sometimes eight quarter S2S, but I like to eventually save funds by purchasing rough cut lumber and gain more experience and maybe more frustration by going that route. Uh, I'm not. I'm just not sure. The 110 jointer will fulfill our needs in the future, and investing $1,500 into a jointer that may not fill our needs in a few years is making me question my coming purchase. <laughs> Thanks for everything you guys do, and remember that you are truly that you truly inspire people like us every day. That's, That's thank nice. you. Um, so, so I guess the first part of the question is, does it have enough power? Uh, and my answer to that is, if you set up and use your jointer like Mark does. Where like you make a pass and you can like barely detect to take anything off, it'll be fine. <laughs> if you, you like a boss? like me, because <laughs> that's what I do, like a boss. Matt uses his jointer like a power carver. Yeah, I like. I don't want to. I'd rather make one or two passes and not make ten passes. Yeah. So I have mine set a lot heavier, like a quarter inch. I'll, yeah, like if I have to take a quarter inch <laughs> off, I'm setting it at a quarter inch, and I'm going to take one pass. Yeah, Matt, Matt uh, came to my jointer. He adjusts it, and I hear this thing make noises it's never made before <laughs> as it, like, stalls. Because <laughs> he's, like, taking off a half inch. But, you know, whatever you want to do, man. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that was one of the things I learned about working in someone else's shop. Yeah. <laughs> do things differently. Yep. <laughs> So as far as power goes, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that much of an issue. You can always adjust your cut depth. Now, as far as like being limited on like your future stuff, just buy a 12 inch. That's this is exactly what happened with me. I was living in a rental property that only had 110 volts, so I was going to buy a 12 inch or an 8 inch jointer with a 110 volt motor. I think it was like the, the Delta DJ20 was like the only one that had that option. And then I moved here. I got the 220 installed. And then for, I think it was almost the same price as that 8-inch jointer. I got the 12-inch jointer I have now. So definitely, it depends on your living situation and like how things are set up in your house for electrical. But if you can find the way to get 220 into your shop now, that's going to be a lot. It's going to prevent a lot of the limitation things that happen by not being able to have those larger tools. So yeah, it's a consideration it's not, there. It's not that expensive. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, if you don't have space in your panel mm-hmm. that's a problem <clears throat> that's going to be more expensive but i had to add a 220 when i got my planer and you know it's one of those things is like i can do this and my wife's like no you don't do electricity <laughs> sorry you're calling an electrician <laughs> i think i paid a hundred dollars maybe to have oh, really? it come out you had a good electrician the- <laughs> that's awesome i'd pay that i mean what, <laughs> what was the Okay, I didn't even realize I was getting a deal. I mean, he's a good electrician. I, I've used him many times before, but I mean, what what would this run you if you were to to install it? What do you guys think it should cost? I, if an electrician is being hired for anything, I usually expect it to be at least a thousand dollars, even if really? even if he's putting in an outlet like <laughs> electricians. <laughs> and you got to, I mean, you really should be 
you know, getting a couple of bids for things like this, but man, can electricians, you know, rip you a new one. I mean, hundred bucks to show up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for that particular job, I don't know. I don't know what I would expect. I mean, a few hundred bucks. Probably. I guess it would depend on the complexity of the run. Yeah, as exactly. Well. How, how much, much, well, yeah, how much yeah, conduit? It, yeah, it, was a, it was a straight run of about 10 feet. <laughs> so oh, okay. and there, oh. there was nothing going behind a wall. He literally yeah. just stapled it along the... See, I wouldn't hire somebody yeah. for that at all, but... <laughs> but if I, I didn't did. want to, I didn't want to, but there you want your wife to be able to sleep at night. That, yeah. yeah. Certain, certain DIY projects around the house that I am just not allowed to do. Well, I mean, Boz sounds like he's a future thinking kind of guy and they're thinking about growing things and getting, you know, I guess maybe the business will get bigger in the future. That two twenty, it's going to kind of be a necessary thing. So, yeah. you know, rip that bandaid off now and get a tool that's going to grow with you. Uh, and the 220 volt, if you don't have that, it's going to be limiting for every tool purchase from here on out. It's You're going to limit your options. So I, I think that should be the first thing to do. I agree. That's good. Good. All right. This one comes from Wade. He says, if you're building something using tusk, tenon construction, and wedges, is there a rule of thumb for how much material to leave outboard of the wedge for optimal strength? Also, do you have any recommendations for an easy and good-looking mission arts and crafts finish? That's two questions in one there, Wade. Uh, double dipper. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's necessarily a rule of thumb here. I mean, certainly there'll be some variations based upon how thick you know uh, the the actual tenon is and what species you're using and all that fun stuff. What I like to do is I purposely leave the tenon like three inches long past the, um, the, the vertical member, the leg or whatever it is. Um, and I don't really quite know until I've actually cut the wedge mortise and fit the wedge and everything exactly how much space the wedge is going to take up. So I assess it kind of by eye from there. Cause if it sticks out too far, it just kind of looks silly. So some of it is a design thing. Um, I think usually at least an inch, uh, outboard of the wedge, just so you don't have too much short grain that's pushing back on it. But I just purposely make it, you know, I'm cutting the tenon purposely really, really long and then trimming it back from there based on what I think looks proportionally good once the thing is assembled. Mm-hmm. So, well, do you really think that the size of the vertical member is the most important thing? I'm not sure I should answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, it's just an honest question. Um, like I'm being set up. You me. might be. <laughs> okay so if you want to help support the show you can do so in a number of ways we mentioned at the top of the show patreon it's patreon.com slash wood talk oh dougie's in the room wonderful uh you can also get a t-shirt at the tww store that's twwstore.com hey there's nicole with my tylenol delivery thank you uh and you can also (laughs) leave us a review in the itunes store just look us up there search for wood talk click on ratings and reviews and leave us an honest but five-star rating. And I don't have any to read today, so Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and all that good stuff, and we'll get out of here. Be happy to, Mark. If you want to talk to us and tell us stuff and ask us questions and such, there are a couple different ways to do it. You can record a voicemail and use your fun little app on your smartphone or you know your tape recorder or something like that. But mm-hmm. The problem is... You have to email it to us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. So your tape recorder, eh, little tough. But then you could go use our fancy contact form and submit your tape. There. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> go to woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Pinch it off. It out there. Um, 
You know I don't have that queued up. Oh, Dang come it. on, Mark. You, you, you like softballed that one to me. Hold on. Here, this is really good timing. Pinch it off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the fact that you were playing that before the show and we were saying we should really use those more often and you still weren't ready. I know I wasn't. Terrible. <laughs> anyway, worst comes to worst, go to woodtalkshow.com, find the episode you're interested in, scroll to the bottom, leave a comment and tell us what's on your mind. And you can find us on all the fun things. Matt's over on Instagram all day long. <laughs> all the time. Months. That's all he does. Oh. Selfies. But remember, he's got to get his face in every shot. It's very important. <laughs> Somewhere. Look for it. That's right. It's hiding. Yeah, it's like an Easter egg. Okay. So we're done? No. We're good? We're good. Okay. Well, that's the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next week. Happy show. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.